The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Hey everybody, my name is Nikki um, from Frederick, Maryland. I'm just here to talk to you guys about the shutdown and I just remember that date so vividly. March 14th was the day my nephew was born. Uh, the world kind of went on lockdown. I wasn't able to see him. Um, and that's when everything really just kind of spiraling, kind of went out of control. I didn't get to see my family. I was kind of shut off from the world, couldn't go back to work, um, had to start working from home. And, and it was just a really difficult time for me. I was really worried about one, losing my job after um, the amount of time had passed and just the way the economy was going and just like the way that coronavirus really impacted everybody. And I think what took over more than anything um, was the worry that I had for my grandmother. My grandmother actually um, contracted COVID-19. It was really hard for me to to not worry during those times, especially when my whole family's telling me not to worry and that everything's fine. Back in February, actually February 13th, so like a month uh, difference, I had made a dedication to God. I had been praying and, and he really put it on my heart that I needed to take a year and really lean into him and focus on him, not me, not dating, not anybody else. Then a month later, we got into shutdown and lockdown and, and it kind of made it easier at first because I wasn't able to go out and see people uh, the way that I normally would. But then I just remember <laughs> it all just started like spiraling and um, not being around people and not being able to see people, whether or not it's dating or not, was really hard for me. And, you know, God is always there, but it was really hard to see that. And I just remember questioning, like, like, why did you tell me a year right when this was happening? You know, like when I need people more than I would ever need people, like, why are you doing this at this time? Um, I can't see my nephew, I can't see my family, I can't visit my friends, I can't go to church. All these things that, that just added up and it was just really, really difficult for me. And nothing anybody could say made it better. And I was just really, really deep in some sorrow um, in the beginning. Going to work every day at home and then getting off and being home and not being able to see people and just dealing with the stress of it all. Um, I just didn't know how I was gonna make it out. I really just didn't. Well, if it wasn't already up to that point, March of 2020, specifically this weekend, like Nikki said, the struggle became very, very real. And I so appreciate, Nikki's my friend, and I so appreciate her sharing her story because I know, I know that there was at least one detail in there that all of us connected with over the struggle of last year when the world shut down. We had so much to be worried about all at once, right? Money the bare necessities like food? Is my kid still gonna graduate? Do I have a job? Is my favorite coffee spot locally owned still gonna be open when all this is over? Or like Nikki, is somebody that I love gonna make it through this disease? I mean, a pandemic is a pretty good reason to worry, but honestly, we don't need one. We don't need a pandemic to worry. I can tell you right now, if you're a parent, you worry. If you're married, you've probably worried. If you've ever applied for a job or for school, you have worried. If you've ever had to have a difficult conversation or ask a really awkward question over a text message, and those three dots, are just chiming away and they're taking too long and then they disappear 
and then they come back up, you're worried right now. If you've ever had to wait for results from a doctor, you can fill in the blank. You've worried. So it's normal, I guess, to worry. But if we really knew what it was and what it was doing, I don't think we'd want that to be our response. I don't think we'd want to worry. It's like when somebody asks you to try something, a food, and they don't tell you what it is. And you actually like it, and then they tell you what it is. And now you don't want it. Worry, think of worry like this. Worry, you know, you've, we've all heard of a, a carrot on a string, like on a stick, right? And there's like a, it's a reward. Even if it's just an illusion, it keeps you running in that direction with the hope that you might actually get there and be able to have that reward. And even if you never get there, it just keeps you driving. Well, worry is when on the end of that string, it's a rotten carrot of fear, and worry keeps driving you towards that fear of the unknown or fear of the worst with some illusion that you might actually be able to get it within your grasp and change the outcome. That's what worry does. It keeps driving you towards fear of the worst. Anticipating life is one of life's joys. Who sleeps on Christmas Eve, right? Who ignores the calendar when you only got 30 days left to your vacation? No, no, no. Every box, it's like a whoosh, whoosh, to every coworker you just don't want to see for two weeks. Right? You're, 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 right? Anticipating life is one of our joys, but worry, worry is the antagonist of anticipation. I learned that word in ninth grade from my favorite English teacher, antagonist. It's the villain. It's the, it's the, it's the bad guy in the story. Worry is the antagonist of anticipation. When we should be looking forward to life, worry makes us look fearful at life. When we should be delighting in what's coming ahead, we dread. Worry. Let's look at that word. Worry. I'm going to break it down for you. This is what worry does for us. Hopefully you remember it this way. Worry will only rob and restrict, good job, pro presenter, you. Not what you're worried about, just you. Worry will only rob and restrict you. Let me show you. Let me show you how worry robs and restricts you. See, right now, you want to pay attention to me, and I'm flattered by that. But you can't. Not completely, anyway. Right now, your attention is diverted. You're not giving your best to where you want it at. Even if you want to tell yourself you are, you're really not. Because in the background, there's this ever-present, disturbing, piercing, tone, and it's taking your concentration elsewhere, it's robbing your best, it's making you uncomfortable, annoyed, to the point that all you care about is making it 
stop. You can applaud my tech team. <laughs> because that was their idea. I'm just playing. It was my idea. I wouldn't dare blame them. Even when you want to tell yourself that you're not worried, it's there. It stays there. And you just want it to go away. way I can describe worry is like what I said in the song. Uphill is my climb. The struggle is real, and the struggle is an uphill climb. And a lot of the struggles we don't even ask for. Some of them we do, some of them we don't, but the bottom line is every struggle is uphill. And worry, when we're worried about what might be at the top, that it's the worst case scenario, or whatever it is, it's like adding a backpack of weight. Useless weight. It's not weight that gives you a workout. No, it's unbearable weight that causes you to wear out a lot sooner, a lot harder. Probably to the point that you might not even make it through the struggle in the first place. And worry's heavy, but worry itself is not the heaviest part about it. The heaviest thing about worry is that it grows. And it, I guess a lot like COVID, I'm not a scientist, but COVID is like a mutation of like SARS, right? It's like it was something else and then it grew into something else. Worry is like that. Worry is just the seed and it's heavy on its own. But worry throughout your life can take root and become lasting conditions. You know what worry grows into? Anxiety. Some of y'all just got anxiety. Because of the way I'm saying anxiety. We take medication for anxiety, y'all. Worry turns into stress disorders. It turns into panic. I hope that I have annoyed you enough that you want the way through worry. This series is the way through and today we're going the way through worry. And who has the way through? None other than Jesus. Mr. Walk on H2O himself has the way through worry. And here it is. I'm going to give it to you in the Gospel of Luke. This is the account of Jesus' story in the book of Luke. Let's go to chapter 12, verse 22 through 24, because we want the way through worry. And Jesus told his disciples, I tell you, don't worry. Y'all can all go home now. <laughs> Online, we'll see y'all next week. Don't worry. I just want you to know, I want to create this scene here. When we get to the end of these verses, Jesus is talking about birds. So I want to go ahead and tell you what they're doing. While Jesus is telling us this right here, those birds in the trees going, So I just want you to see the scene. I want you to see the scene as Jesus tells us, don't worry. Don't worry about your life. What you eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. There they are. All right. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. I mean, they're not farmers. They don't go to the grocery market. They don't go to M&T Stadium and get a macaroni and cheese hot dog. You ever have one of those? gorgeous. Let's get this shut down over with. 
They don't sow or reap, but they don't have any storehouses or barns, but yet birds ain't got no problem, y'all. God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Let's keep rolling here. Consider how the wildflowers grow. Who is ready for spring? All right, baby, let's go. You're going to see wildflowers. Consider the wildflowers, how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. They're not designers or work as seamstress. Yet I tell you, not even Spencer in all of his fly outfits was dressed like one of these. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I saw Splendor and I saw Splendor. It was just like one of these. Keep going. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and then tomorrow it's thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Those are important. Those are necessities, right? Don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. The pagan world, the world that doesn't even believe in God, that's what they're running after. They're running after those things. But your father, your father knows that you need them. Now, some of you might not actually have an issue with some of the things Jesus was naming. And I hope that. I hope that you never really had to worry about what you were going to eat or if there was going to be clothes on you or, or, or where you were going to sleep. But Jesus was able to talk to everyone. As a matter of fact, when he told this story, he had just finished telling another story about someone who was rich. So he knew how to talk to the rich and to the poor. So maybe, maybe if you are watching, maybe you, you have had to worry about where your next meal is coming from or that your kids are going to have a winter coat or that you're going to either be in a house or be in a shelter. So no matter where you fall on that spectrum, I left one verse out. I'm going to go back to it. No matter where you fall on that spectrum, all of us, this is where Jesus was hitting because he wanted to make sure everybody got a hold of this. All of us can relate to this next verse. Which of you by worrying, can add a single hour to your life. Now, we're all worried about this. Whether you have or you don't, we're worried about our lives and we're worried about the lives of people that we love. And Jesus said, even the most important thing, you can't change by worrying about it. Who of us can add one more day to our life, whether it's everyday necessities or something much more life-changing? Worry makes us believe that we can somehow change the outcome. Or if we can't change it, that we can at least stop the worst-case scenario by worrying. I'm going to continue to worry, and that'll at least, it may not make the problem go away. It may not make... If, if, if I, I might not be able to change the fact that my kid's going to get into trouble, but if I worry enough day and night as a parent, I can, I can stop him from jail as long as I worry. I can't change my MRI, but if I just give it enough worry every day and every night and worry, it takes all the juice that I have, I can make it not be cancer. I might not be able to make them love me. But if I dedicate all I have to worrying about it, it might keep him from not asking for a divorce. Worry makes us believe that we can actually change the outcome. But all the while, while we're worrying, 
the best is being drained from us. We want to give quality time to our, all of our kids, but they're being shorted and robbed because I got to focus on this one that's got a problem for some reason. And they got to get all my attention and all my time. Because worry can help me change the outcome. I want to focus on the good days that I have ahead. But worry is taking them because I'm worried about the days that include chemo. Now, I called him Mr. Walk on Water because if you, if you think that maybe it's a little too easy for someone like Jesus to tell us, don't worry. I mean, he is God. After all, he's the son of God. He is the provider. He is all. And he's telling us not to worry. But if you do see that little song, don't worry, be happy, just kind of floating over all your serious issues that you're worrying about, let me show you another scene in Jesus' life. Let's skip down a couple chapters. We're going to go to chapter 22, verse 42. Jesus is praying here. Anybody ever done that? You ever pray about your worries? Welcome to the club. I see you. Welcome to the club. Jesus is praying here. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Jason, leave this verse up for me, but I'm, I'm going to stay here for a while. Take this cup from me. Let me, let me show you what's in this cup. <laughs> a year ago, COVID-19 shut the world down. And it brought disease and death. And so we searched and researched to find a vaccine. Don't worry, that's another sermon. I'm not going there. I know there's two sides of that, but just stay with me. Stay with me. This cup that Jesus is talking about is a vaccine. It's a vaccine for a spiritual disease that God calls sin. See, when COVID first came out, we, we tried to find and track down where it came from, but we know where sin came from. It came from the first human beings God created when they chose not his way. They chose not his will. And in that moment, this disease of sin began, and it was passed to all of us. Masks wouldn't matter because we're born into it. The moment we're conceived, sin takes place in us. So God, not wanting to get, not wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater, us being his baby, he said, I need to get rid of this disease. But the, the person who could take the vaccine has to be someone who doesn't have it. Jesus was the only one who did not know sin, who didn't have sin, who did not commit sin. So he was the only one worthy to take this vaccine, to take this cup. Now let me show you, let me give you the ingredient label of what was in the cup. It's figurative, okay, figurative. Let me tell you what really it was in there. It was a painful, torturesome, humiliating, public death on a cross, a torture contraption. That's what was in this cup. And so when I see him say, Father, if you're willing, don't we do that when we pray? 
God, could you please take this away? That's exactly what we sound like when we pray. If you're willing, please take this from me. So I don't want to speculate here. Like I said, Mr. Walk on Water himself, I don't want to speculate. I wouldn't dare do that into the heart of what was happening with my Lord. But to me, this sounds like that Jesus is worried. It looks like he's worried. Father, if you're willing, take this from me. What Jesus is doing right here is he's confronting the worst. It wasn't just the worst for him. It was the worst, period. Because this wasn't only a death. This was God's judgment. It was the vaccine. It has to, it has to destroy sin. And so not only was it going to be the worst for Jesus, it was the worst for any of mankind. And he was about to take it on to himself. He was facing the worst, and yet look what he does. Father, if you're willing, let's put our own words in there. God, please don't let this happen to me. God, please don't. Not them. Not them. You know how much I'm worried. Don't. Don't. Please. Jesus felt the same. And look what he says. I'm scared, God. It's going to hurt I'm worried right now. I know you can take it away. And yet, not my will, but yours be done. We're going to do that right now. Stay with me. What's your worry? We're going to take the first step in the way through worry tonight. Find your worry right now. Maybe it's trivial. Maybe it's been tracking you down your whole life. What is it? Stay in your mind, focusing on it. Now, I want you to go all the way to the worst outcome that could come along with it. Is it them leaving? Is it losing someone? Is it not being forgiven? You find him. What is the worst possible outcome from my worry? Because worry is telling you that you can actually do something about it if you keep worrying. All the while, it's draining your life. It's stealing your best from God, from the people that love you and the people that you love. And it's going to keep lying to you, telling you that you just keep chasing this carrot. Come on, I guarantee you get to this fear and you'll make it all go away. It's lying to you. You need to right now Go to the worst. What's the worst? Jesus faced his worst and he said, not my will, but yours be done. What you're going to do right now is this. You're going to release your worry. Admit what it was. Go to it. Admit what the worst case scenario is. I'm afraid of this. You're going to release your worry. And you're going to receive his will. That's the only way you're going to get through that worry. Release your worry 
and receive his will. But we're afraid of God's will because if God's will allowed Jesus to die, then what does that mean for us? Well, the good news is that Jesus was able to do that because he knew his struggle was real, but so was his father. And he knew, he knew, like I want you to know today, that it was not God's will to put Jesus to a tomb, but to send him through a tomb. Through a tomb. Because at the other side of that, God brings Jesus back to life. Resurrected. And maybe today you're hearing that for the first time. That the reason Jesus had to die was for our sin. Was to cleanse this world of sin. And that even when the worst happened to him, the God that loved him and us was able to bring him back. If God is able to bring his son through a tomb, there's not one worry he cannot bring you through. Ever. And if you're hearing that today for the first time, that Jesus did that for you, then today's the day you need to believe in him as your Lord, as your Savior. And if you're believing that, will you please let us know right now? You see this right here? This text Jesus? Text that. Tell us right now. Let us know you made that decision. If God, if God can bring his son through a tomb, there's no worry. There's no struggle that he cannot bring us through. And that's why when Jesus was teaching about not to worry about all these things in life. He says it this way, Luke 12, 31, he says this, but seek first the kingdom. If you're making the decision for Jesus today, that's what you just did. You just said God's kingdom comes first. I know I got a bunch of worries, but God's kingdom comes first. He says, seek first the kingdom. And then all these things, all these things that we're worried about, I have the keys to them anyway, so I'm going to take care of them. You put me first. You let me be the king of your heart, like we sing, right? The king of my heart. Let God have the place when you're on the throne of your heart. If you want my heart, God, you got it. The reason that Jesus chimes in on our heart is because our heart is who we are at our core, at our deepest. It's what we really, really want. It's who we really are. And as Jesus continues, he's, he's leaning in on that. He's leaning, on, he's leaning in on our hearts. He says, for wherever your tre- where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We give our heart to what is most valuable to us. So worry, you could say that worry is an indicator of what's closest to your heart. If God is closest to our hearts, then even in a pandemic, we probably won't be the kind of person who will fight over the last toilet paper roll in the store. We won't be the kind of person who only looks out for number one or our number two. Worry is an indicator. It shows, like an indicator, right? Like your gas light. Your gas light is an indicator that tells you you better not push it or you might have to push it. 
Your speedometer. Your speedometer is an indicator of how much you binge watch TV. Oh, you didn't know that. Yeah, if you, if you binge watch TV, it's probably at midnight when you're like, one more episode. Just one more episode. Just one more episode. And then by the time you go to bed, it's 2.30. And since you went to bed at 2.30, when the alarm goes off at 6, it's mandatory that you hit the snooze three times. And since you had to hit the snooze three times, everything about that morning is going to go wrong. The dog's going to throw up. You're not going to be able to find your keys. And then by the time you get into your car, you're not going to go 45 and a 25, all because it's an indicator. Our worry is an indicator of what's closest to our heart. If these things and the worries of life are what's closest to our heart, it's going to show. And it's going to show in the worst ways. Now, conversely, the same way that worry is an indicator of what's closest to our heart, this is why Jesus was talking about stuff. This is why he was talking about stuff. Because our giving, our giving is an indicator of how well we deal with worry. Stay with me. Worry is this posture right here. I got to hold tight. If I just hold on tight, the worst won't happen. If I just hold tight, I'll have all I need. If I, this is, worry is this posture right here. To give, you not only have to release, you have to extend. Extending hands cannot hold on. If we're not worried about the things of life, then it should show by the way that we freely give them away. Giving is a good sign who's close to your heart and not what is close to your heart. That when generosity flows out of you, when you give to others, when you give to God, when you give yes to his church, it's a beautiful indicator that the worries of life don't have a hold on your heart. I saw this. It's the reason why I asked Nikki to share her story because I saw this in her life. But she can tell you better than me. Listen to this. God was talking to me, like clear as day talking to me, and I just couldn't get myself to listen. I was so angry and I was so just confused that he was letting it happen and then telling me all these things I need to do. God kept telling me, this isn't about you being single. This is about your loneliness and you thinking that you're alone or you need people to survive when all I needed was him. And so after a couple months, I started to uh, really lean into the word again and, and just ask God to talk to me. Um, and I just decided that that day forward, like I was allowed to be sad and I was allowed to mourn, but that that's not where God wants me to be. That's not where he wants me to stay. Um, and I just continued to do that in order to, to move past that hump and, and really just focus on God, which is where he really wanted me. As difficult as it was to continue to work, I still had the ability to work. And God really put it on my heart that I needed to help those that couldn't work at the time. And I needed to give back to him in the church. And I needed to do all these things. And yes, a lot of it was monetary financially, but by doing that, people can see my heart is through generosity. You need something, I got you, whether or not it's financially or not. He's changed me so much um, in the past year. You could ask anybody around me. Um, I think the biggest thing that God has put on my heart is even though I can't necessarily physically be there with people, 
that I can still love people and be generous to people and um, show them who I am through Christ, whether or not I'm next to them or not. But I think the reason that God has put that on my heart and what I can show other people by doing that is one, He always provides, and two, it's the contagiousness of it. So by seeing me give, right, it makes other people give, and it can help the church grow in that way. Um, God gives everybody a generous heart, whether or not it's your gift or not, but the generosity that you can give through little things, feeding the homeless, you know, buying a cup of coffee for someone you see on the corner, paying for the person behind you, all those things, I think God does give everybody that. A spirit that He's given me, He's always given me a spirit to love other people, and I think that people have always seen that. But what I'm hearing now um, is that people see it through Christ, so they can see that not only was I in a shutdown, but I lost my best friend during the shutdown. How did you deal with that? Jesus. And people are like, no, really, how'd you deal with it? Jesus, I dealt with it by leaning into God and knowing that there is a purpose for every single season. Yeah, please make some noise for Nikki. You know, every week we talk to you guys about giving. You see our, your campus pastors, you see your worship leaders, everyone. We share about this. And, and I always wish that I, we could take more time because there's always something that I've always wanted to say, and I'm, I'm going to take it right now. Jesus spoke to both crowds when he was talking about the worries of our life, and he, and he was prioritizing. He was saying, yes, this is the most important here, like your life, and then out here all these things on the surface. But we worry about these things on the surface. And I just want to say, I, I, this is coming to you from someone who's been on both ends of the spectrum. My wife and I and our family, we have been in both positions, the position of being able to make a down payment on a house, but also know what it's like to stand in line at DSS and ask for help with food and rent. And the one thing that has stayed the same in our life that has kept us from worrying about the next day is that we committed to giving to God. It's the one thing that we have, have tried to commit to not straying away from or falling short of. And yes, we were, and yes, it's not that we were, we were, that was only happening, we, we were only able to be at the better end of the spectrum because we were giving, and no, it was happening even when we needed help, but that was the help God was providing. It didn't matter how it was happening. All that matters is that we knew who was feeding us. We knew who was clothing us. And so your generosity is a beautiful indication of how well you're dealing with worry. It's an indication of who is close to your heart. God's will or our own worries. I know that we all want this pandemic to be over with, and we all hope that it is, and hope is a good thing, but we have something better than hope. We have an even-if policy. Even if this pandemic goes away, only to make room for another one, a worse one. Even if the worst of our fears come to pass, even if, the even if doesn't matter, because God is not if, God is. God is the provider. God is in control. God is on your side. So yes, we can worry, and yes, the struggle is real. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.